Welcome to the Socratic State of Mind podcast. I'm Andrew Perlot. Today we're doing a deep dive on fate. What is it? How does it work and interact with things like free will? And most importantly, how can we use our fate, which I argue is essentially inescapable, to make ourselves a lot stronger, a lot more resilient, to be better people? Let's get into it. Your beloved family member dies in a car crash. A tragedy, everyone assures you. But was it fated? That's a loaded question, so let me clarify. I'm not asking you if a bearded sky god willed this to happen, or if it was etched in cosmic stone at the beginning of time. But might it be fated nonetheless? Maybe your family member was killed by someone driving a pickup truck. She was crying and distraught at the time of the accident, and she couldn't see the red light through her stream of tears and sobs. Why was she so upset? She just had a horrible fight with her husband, who was cruel and abusive. Why did this man mistreat his wife, who he'd sworn to love and protect? A horrible upbringing and daily beatings from his father have a way of turning a man sour. And why was his father abusive? He had PTSD from fighting in a war, and he took out his rage on his son. So if we had a time machine and were determined to prevent our loved one's death by traveling back in time and stomping out the root cause, we'd have quite a task. We'd keep traveling ever further back in the past, looking for the beginning of the matter. There's got to be some place where we can intervene and preempt the madness, right? Back and back we'd go. There's a father giving an inheritance to one son while excluding the other. There's a Stone Age man bitten by a malaria-laden mosquito as he watches over his family who is dependent on him for sustenance. Maybe at some point you arrive back in time at the Big Bang, or if you're devout, when your creator god spun the cosmos into motion. Either way, we can see how our lives are influenced by a causal chain stretching back into an unknowable past, yet bearing down on us like tsunamis. Sometimes these chains of causality crash upon the shores that are us with finality. They take our lives, they sink our businesses, the end. Other times, they carry us to fame and fortune, and we're pretty happy about how things worked out. More frequently, they only flood our region, ensuring that we're born into a prosperous country where we can easily make a living and have good lives, raise our children. Or these waves ensure that we're born into a poor, mismanaged country where we will struggle to survive and our children will go blind from vitamin A deficiency. But some of you are now surely objecting that I am ignoring something really critical. A man could have PTSD and anger problems without beating his son. That woman, shaken by the fight with her husband, could pull over and collect herself before she drives on. Those born in poor countries can emigrate and seek a better life. How can fate be real if we have so much power to alter it? I'd like to make the case that fate is real, and by believing in it and viewing it the right way, we can be more resilient, more compassionate, better people. I'd also like to convince you that the seeming contradiction between fate, also known as determinism, and free will isn't quite what it seems to be. I have spent a lot of time thinking about fate. When I was younger, I believed in it without even really realizing it. I was obese and had what would one day be diagnosed as colitis, an autoimmune disease where my body attacks my colon. I was also a poor student with little self-esteem. By and large, these problems seemed outside of my control. A lot of life seemed to be more something that happened to me rather than something I really lived. The result was what you'd expect. I 
felt like a victim of forces outside my control, and I was frequently depressed. In psychological terms, I had a strong external locus of control. Research shows that people with strong external locus of control are more likely to be depressed, they're more likely to feel disempowered. They also make use of maladaptive coping strategies like emotional withdrawal, drug use, alcohol use, and other distractions that keep them from addressing real-life issues in a constructive way. On the other hand, those with strong internal locus of control who believe that their destiny is largely in their own hands are associated with using constructive coping mechanisms where they actually deal with the problems before them in a constructive way. They're also psychologically a lot healthier. But more than 20 years ago, I read the journal of a long-dead Roman emperor named Marcus Aurelius. That book was called Meditations, and I hated it. Perhaps in part because Marcus ascribes so much to character and what is in one's control rather than the external factors that I had personally observed were destroying my life, I thought his view was BS. I thought that the forces outside of one's control were the most important ones. Despite finding Marcus to be full of BS, I also could not get him out of my head. I kept going back and rereading meditations. Parts of it really intrigued me. And so he kind of wormed his way into my consciousness. And over the course of a few years, as I went to college bringing meditations with me, I started to get the sense that I was not as powerless as I thought because I actually always had control over how I responded to what happens to me, which is actually incredibly powerful. I saw that my personal responses to what fate threw at me had a huge impact on my lived experience. This went even for my autoimmune disease, which my doctors told me I would essentially never escape, and it didn't really have anything to do with the individual choices I was making. By the time I was in my early 20s, my colitis was in remission, without drugs. I'd lost more than 40 pounds. I'd also gotten through college with pretty good grades. Fate did not hand me a reprieve. I didn't just have a turn of luck. I responded to what fate was handing me, and it ameliorated or overcame the problems to a large degree. Not completely, but to a large degree. But that's actually pretty secondary. You can't always overcome the things that life has thrown at you, but you do always get to control how you look at the things that life has thrown at you. And psychologically, that is what made the biggest impact for me. I started to see myself as a powerful person who gets to respond however I choose. I am not a puppet being pulled by strings. I am a sovereign individual who gets to respond how I want. You're probably thinking this all sounds like an argument against fate. If a belief in free will and internal locus of control lead to better mental health and better coping strategies, then why believe in fate? And what about free will? Doesn't that trump the idea of fate? These debates have been going on at least since antiquity, and they will probably never be solved definitively. Yet the ancient Greek and Roman Stoics found a way to believe in free will and fate that gave them some psychological advantages. There are probably few better ways to examine how this actually played out than by looking at Greek myth. You remember Achilles, right? The story goes that he was fated to win eternal glory and renown, but to also die young. He ends up shot through the heel at the gates of Troy, a wound that kills him. Case closed, right? Fate just won. Or did it? 
If you actually read the story, you see that there was an inflection point where Achilles got to make a choice. He could enjoy a long and happy life in obscurity, or he could go off, fight in the war, and he would die, while also becoming famous. Achilles chose the later, and things played out as expected. So it was Achilles' character, his choices, that actually doomed him to an early death. He could have chose differently, but... This was Achilles. What do you think Achilles is going to do? Numerous Greek myths and stories show a similar pattern. You've got an inflection point, the character can make a choice, and once they do, fate carries them along to a predictable end. Ultimately, it comes down to character. This lines up with how the Stoics thought this worked. The Stoic view, as described by Cicero, is that everything that happens has a cause that leads to an effect. Every event is part of a chain of causality that began at the very beginning of time and stretches all the way to the present. But the Stoics insist that even in a deterministic world, our choices are ultimately up to us. We are not just helpless cogs in a machine turned by the gears that grind on us. But isn't this a contradiction? Not according to the Stoic philosopher Chrysippus. He said if you push a cylinder and a cone, the former will roll straight and the later will roll in a circle. This is analogous to the same chain of events, the same chains of causality causing remarkably different outcomes when they hit different people with different internal states in different responses. The Stoics maintain that while outside events are largely outside of our control, we always have control of our internal states, our mindsets, how we respond. Some are going to lose their job and say, what a tragedy, and others will lose their job and say, what an opportunity, and they will head off in two different directions that lead to two dramatically different places. So how does this interaction between fate and free will actually play out? The Stoics, again, had a really good analogy. Fate and free will interact with us like a dog tied to a cart heading down a long road ending in death. Sometimes fate gives us a long leash and we can roam far before running out of slack. Other times the leash is pretty short and we need to stay really close to the cart. But either way, if we plant our heels and try to fight the cart, sooner or later we're going to be dragged. In my case, I have a really short leash when it comes to multiple parts of my life. If I want to stay free of colitis flare-ups, there's a whole list of foods that I can't eat that most people can just eat with impunity. I also need to periodically fast if my digestive system gets worked up. Yes, fate throws hard punches at us, but when those punches land, we have space to take a moment to make a decision and decide where we're going to go. We get to decide if we're going to let fate carry us along and take the easy path, take the way that we've always taken, or if we're going to stride off in a new direction and break the chain. The truism that our best predictor of future behavior is actually our past behavior is largely correct. People tend to keep responding how they've responded in the past. But past behavior is not fate, but it does admittedly make a hard weight to push against. One of the best ways to do that is to change of how we conceive of outside events. Psychological research shows that there's at least three different perspectives on fate that affect us in very different ways. I described the fatalistic or deterministic view previous, which leads to avoidant coping, depression, and disempowerment. But believing the polar opposite, that everything is up to us, is also problematic. Some people take 
responsibility for the horrible things that happen to them or for the actions of abusive parents or spouses. Blaming yourself for being neglected, unloved, abandoned, etc. during childhood leads to predictably horrible psychological outcomes. What researchers refer to as negotiating with fate offers a better alternative that's more in line with Stoic thinking. The idea of negotiating with fate is that we shape our outcomes by responding to what happens to us. How we exercise agency within the boundaries of our constraints determines our life's outcome. This nuanced perspective can result in a lot of relief. If you're applying for a job or to college, and you get rejected, you can concentrate on the fact that you put your all into the application, that you tried really hard, you did everything within your power, and the rest was not up to you. You can be satisfied that you did everything you could given the constraints of fate. Ultimately, what's out of your control is not worth worrying about. Only what you do, what you say and think, matters. Thus, as one group of researchers noted, when faced with constraints, acknowledging fate does not necessarily lead people to believe that their actions are irrelevant. Instead, when individuals face constraining circumstances in which potential courses of action are clearly limited, they are more likely to believe that they are able to negotiate with fate, and this belief can help them move forward from negative outcomes. So yes, that angry father could have negotiated with fate and found other ways to deal with his rage and PTSD, sparing his innocent son. That wife could have pulled over and collected herself before driving on. How we respond is ultimately up to us. The stoic view of fate should make us sympathetic to the plight of others. Fate can land hard blows and those who have not made improving their character a significant part of their life can struggle to react well. Fate may have given them the impression that their character isn't malleable, that they are helpless before fate. Fate, in other words, may render someone unable to even see that they have other choices. When hardship befalls someone and they're not reacting well, the Stoic philosopher Epictetus suggests to his students to have the following thought available. What is crushing these people is not the event, since there are other people it does not crush, but their opinion about it. Don't hesitate, however, to sympathize with them in words and even maybe share their groans, but take care not to groan inwardly as well. It goes without saying that someone's faded past can confuse them about what justice looks like or what good even is. This may lead them to act in immoral ways, but that doesn't mean we can't have sympathy for them. When you run up against someone else's shamelessness, ask yourself, is a world without shamelessness possible? The Roman emperor and philosopher Marcus Aurelius asked himself in his journal, no, then don't ask the impossible. There have to be shameless people in the world. This is one of them. Believing in fate can actually help us be satisfied in life, more satisfied than we would be if we didn't. Stoics embraced a love of fate, which Frederick Nietzsche called amor fati. When life makes things easy, great! When life makes things hard, great! Hardships can make us bitter or they can make us better. The choice between those alternatives is entirely ours. If we see hardship as an opportunity to improve, we probably will. If hardship seems like an absolute disaster, 
that's probably what it's going to be. Stoics see hardship as an opportunity to take their practice, their skill at living life to the next level. They try to be grateful when life throws lemons at them without being delusional, and this has psychological benefits. The philosopher Seneca put it a different way. In the same way the bodies of sailors are hardened by the beating of the sea, the hands of farmers are calloused, the arms of soldiers have the strength to throw their weapons, and the legs of a runner are nimble. We are strongest in what we have exercised. It is by suffering ills that the mind learns defiance to suffering. Marcus Aurelius, who spent most of his reign being pummeled by hardships, had a more spiritual spin. Everything suits me that suits your designs, O oh my universe. Nothing is too early or too late for me that is in your own good time. All is fruit for me that your season brings. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, I'd appreciate it if you would give us a review on Apple Podcasts or whatever podcasting app that you use. Those reviews help more people find this podcast and ultimately help me continue doing this. Thank you.